afternoon from a cloudy uh, but warm afternoon in Heidelberg. I hope you can hear me all right. Uh, this is the Isotoxapod. <laughs> um, and I am in a not stable Wi-Fi place. So there's a good chance that I'll drop and, uh, and you'll have to finish this without me. Well, my monologuing is overpowering as always. It'll cover the, any gaps. But that was clear as day. Hi, Toby. How are you doing today on this cloudy Hello. day? I'm good. Um, we went out to Heidelberg last night. It was pretty fun. It's an interesting town. Um, my second time visiting. Um, yeah, I like it. I saw the EMBL, which is an impressive set of buildings. More rural than even the university I work in. So I'm quite happy with that. <laughs> we're not we're not the biggest countryside people. Nice. What about yourself? I am doing good. I can't complain. Uh, here it's actually very sunny, 24 degrees, so it's um, very, very nice to see uh, good weather, especially when schlepping outside. I want to um, mention how I've basically been preparing to move in the last few days. So essentially all of my efforts right now are going into um, into the process of of essentially packing everything up and lugging everything around. So that's essentially where I am. So anyway, most of my um, efforts right now is essentially just lugging stuff around. So up until the minute we tried to start this podcast and let's hide how long that took um, because of non-reliable internet. Thank you, universities around Europe. Uh, we have essentially um, been packing our shit the last few days because we're going to move um so i'm i'm pretty sweaty and enjoyed the sunlight and got a good workout in before this podcast so my beer is earned um anyway toby are you still there i hope so yes um yeah i am still there okay awesome yeah um i've seen the new place you're moving to it's quite nice but speaking of workouts um i went go-karting the other day um and it were they were electric go-karts and that was really interesting um, wow! Because because I didn't think they'd be up to the task to be to be completely honest with you. But the interesting part about them was, I mean, their basic acceleration and top speed are pretty comparable, um, but they have much better like mid gas pedal. Um, well, I guess it's not a gas pedal then, um, but mid like if if you're not going full throttle, like mid throttle acceleration is really good. So you can stay on throttle pretty much through any corner even through braking and it'll kind of carry you through because as soon as you, as, as soon as you completely move off of the throttle, um, it is essentially an additional braking. So you have very short braking zones because you, you lift off the throttle, you brake, you're essentially, there's nothing propelling you anymore. You're completely slowing down extremely quickly. Um, and then you can carry like a good, like half throttle through uh, to three quarter uh, throttle through um, the actual corner without without spinning out without spinning i mean you wouldn't spin the wheels on any cart anyways um that was really interesting so are um, electric, that was also a workout are, are electric um go-karts quicker in the way they're no. constructed i mean i'd imagine they can be right but um they're constructed the ones we were um driving were constructed to be equivalent to um different classes of of just regular uh, rentable go-karts um I, so we yeah. got the, we got the biggest class which is comparable to um the proper ones they have at, at gasoline powered go-kart i wonder what the the weight difference would be because you know you have to pack it full with batteries but i wonder yeah. how many on a cart because it's still such a small vehicle which is yeah um, kind of interesting yeah they felt a bit heavier but i'd imagine they can compensate for that quite easily with just having a bit more horsepower than um, to kind of get the range of horsepower per ton or horsepower per kilo uh, yeah. relatively similar. And through the corners, they didn't feel much heavier than another go-kart. Um, the track we went to had a really kind of like snaking um, track profile. And there, I mean, you had to kind of seesaw a bit at the wheel um, when you were going full speed, but nothing that you wouldn't expect from a, from a gasoline-powered uh, go-kart as well. What they did have was a boost button that was really fun. Oh, cool. Like, it was a, bit like a DRS party. type thing? 
kind of, well, yeah, it didn't change any aerodynamic devices, but but you pressed it and you got an additional X horsepower for for a few seconds, and you could press it once a lap, essentially, um, every yeah. twenty eight seconds, which um, equates to like roughly once a lap. lap time yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, those were really fun, and those were really fun for overtaking as well. So uh, you could press yeah. it on the on the straight and then kind of just careen down on the inside in a corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or dive bomb. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. Well, dive bombing was kind of difficult because the braking zones were so short because they they decelerated so efficiently. Karting is so, an yeah. underrated workout, though. Yeah, I mean, it's expensive as fuck. It was for two of those go-karts for 15 minutes of track time. It was over 50 euro. So Wow. Um, it's not, it's not a cheap workout. Maybe electric ones are a bit more expensive though. Well, I think they were, I think the go-karting track we went to was kind of trying to be a bit more, you know, like on the, on the green, like everything recycled, everything's nice and new kind of side. Um, I mean, it's not that big of a price difference because uh, like, although it is like 10 bucks more. It's uh, it's, it's 10 bucks more. Yeah. yeah. And Captain, you um, pay like 15 or 17 euro for 15 minutes. Yeah. And I found another one um, not too far from here or from, from where I live um, that, that still sells like 13 euro uh, track times, which is a lot cheaper, you know? Yeah. Um, because they're close to an American air base. So they have uh, all the soldiers come through. Yep. Yep. Well, it, cu- cutting back to what I said in terms of it being an underrated workout, not in terms of the price necessarily, but more in terms of how much like muscles are actually used when you just drive a go-kart around a track yeah. as fast as you can for 15 minutes. It's such yeah. an intense workout. Yeah. And uh, the last time I went karting, but we did two times 15 minutes, right? And like on the indoor and then on the outdoor track. And I was d- exhausted and like just sore muscles everywhere on my body, muscles I didn't know existed. Um, it's It's intense. Yeah, um, and and I think what people underestimate. I mean, go karts are, they don't have an electric kind of um, steering assist. They you directly steer the thick chunky tires for how small the cart is directly on the track. So you really have to work for it. Um, but what people underestimate is the how tense the rest of your body is, right? So you're pushing yourself into and against the um, the accelerator pedals. You're keeping your uh, core tense at all times in the corners to kind of push your weight into the corners. Yeah, um, it's it is effective. Oh, a hundred percent, absolutely. Anywho, over with the small talk. Um, let's get into our topic of the day because in the recent two weeks, there's been quite a bit of music released. So we figured we would um, kind of do a short album review of uh, two albums that came out recently and uh, give our uh, totally professional opinions on them. So, um, yeah. yeah, what do we what do we want to start with? Um, let's start with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, just because I have more good things to say about that. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, yeah, so the, the album's called Return of the Dream Canteen. Um, it released a few days ago, uh, 14th of October. Um, it's long. It's very, very long, and I'd say they it's it's very true. It feels very red hot chili peppery. Um, it feels like a similar style as as the last um, few albums. So if you like the red hot chili peppers recently, if you liked um, the getaway, in my opinion, you you're quite gonna like this or um, yeah, or unlimited love, um, the one before, which is this is the second album they released this year, right? Anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very flea, um, e. it's very bassy, it's very funky. Um, I think you can split it in two. I think, um, the album changes slightly, uh, after Fake as Fuck, uh, which is the fifth song. After that, it becomes a bit more, like, a bit more spacey, a bit more chilly. Um, but yeah, that, and it's a lot of it. So if you like this, you'll have, <laughs> have a lot of a lot of songs to listen to and have fun with yeah you make a couple really good points um that that i absolutely agree with 
for me, this album really raised the question as to when you listen to an album, what is an album supposed to be? And like, what makes it good? And it's hard to judge this as an album, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It seems to me more like a live performance. It 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 seems like a like a bunch of cool songs that are really vibey and flea-y, like you said, because John Frusciante, the guitarist, is back in the band and they're a crazy cool rhythm section for the group, um, the guitar and bass. And it's just amazing and it vibes through every song. It's just vibes on the album. And there's not really a terrible song on there, which compared to their previous record, Unlimited Love, I feel like there were a couple really weird ones on there. But there's nothing crazy in terms of like lyrically that super hardcore jumps out where you're just like, what the fuck immediately? At least not in the first listening that I uh, heard. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of really cool songs on this record. Uh, like Eddie uh, is probably one of my favorite songs. I really liked... Um, my cigarette and afterlife i think was the other one so there's like a few songs off the album that are actually pretty cool that i actually will listen to again in terms of like an album bringing out a few good songs and Mm -hmm. i always love an album that has like non-single material that turns into a really good song obviously as you said they have a lot of songs on this record it's a double album and that's what makes it more feel like just vibes. And if you're like just chilling and you're imagining being at a Chili Peppers show, this record is awesome. And uh, those vibes come over perfectly. So they've they've literally stayed true to their origin, being funky, which is which is cool. So overall, like I get it and I know where they're coming from. Like I saw an interview with Anthony Kiedis, uh, the singer where he was just saying, yeah, man, we don't really care about making albums. We care more about like playing live. And I feel like that is really reminiscent on this record. It's okay. See, I, I, I didn't know that. That actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So that's kind of, it, it felt like a jam. It felt like they were just recording an hour and a half long jam and they broke it into 12 parts and it was really cool. Like that's kind of what this record is to me. So if people think that's a good record, like, or if people think it should tell a story or whatever, um, then fair, then it's probably not the best, um, doesn't meet all those criteria. But if you like a good jam, treat it like a live record and you'll have a good time. Yeah, that's really interesting because my my biggest criticism, I listened to this in a sitting, right? Um, in preparation for this, um, I've, I've had quite a busy week. There wasn't a point where I was like, okay, you know, I'll listen to, if I listen to it in pieces, I won't remember what I listened to previously. So I sat down with it and I really, listen to it in one go and I just kept thinking Jesus I mean now that you say it it feels it feels like a long almost exhausting kind of jam session yeah and I think it really depends on the listener's mood or situation and where they listen to it it really changes your opinion on on you know is it do you like it or not so for me I was just chilling in the evening I was relaxed and I just put it on and it was just nice you know, I was testing out my new headphones, so it was perfect. And I was just yeah. really enjoying it. And it was a good vibe. But had I been really stressed and like, you know, I had to listen to it, then it would probably be a different interpretation for sure. Yeah, if you don't feel the vibe and you have so much of it, then it becomes a bit tedious. Yeah. So in my mind, I'm really happy if the Chili Peppers bring out two of these kinds of albums every two years from now on for the Mm -hmm. next 10 years and just continue to tour like that's really cool to me because there's always a new funky take and new funky things um that are you know it's just a nice addition to a year so yeah it'd be it'd be cool i I don't mind them doing this to be honest yeah that being said as you as you as you mentioned i think live a lot of these songs will really come into their own yeah because they're so vibey so free-flowing so adaptable i'd imagine live they they can become a real like unique experience at every concert that's a really good point actually because these are like freestyleable songs so you can really like just go nuts with it and improvise and uh that's that's pretty cool so yeah it'll definitely add to their regiment but i would also like to see the chili peppers challenge themselves to bring out another record that's as successful as previous records like their their classic ones that would be neat 
um, it, it'd be cool to see another attempt like that. Maybe it's not on their list right now, but it'd be cool to see it down the road sometime. Yeah, agreed. Doesn't take anything away from this record. I think overall, I was pretty happy with it, but like it's it's average, so a seven, I think, out of ten. It's a yeah. nice listen. Maybe I'll a six. A, I'll give it a six, yeah. Yeah, maybe a six um, is more. Yeah, I was really struggling to to vibe along with it. Maybe if I re-listen to it on a on a more relaxed occasion, I'll probably really enjoy it. That's the thing, right? I'll probably really enjoy two or three of these songs in a go, just yep. like an hour and 15 minutes of it. Yeah. In a situation where you can't, where you have to like where you have to want to listen to it is really was really a lot. I feel like this record is one that's not meant to be listened to all at once. It's just like, hey, if you're feeling like the Chili Peppers, just go on this album and here's like a playlist of new songs. There's just hit shuffle and any one of them will be a good vibe that you can just sit and relax to. Like, that's more of what it seems like. Mm -hmm. And they're all vibey. Like, they're nice. And there's a couple standouts, but, you know doesn't blow me away yeah um speaking of not being blown away the arctic monkeys have released another album <laughs> to to huge expectations one has to add yeah like it's been i think six years or so since they released tranquility based casino hotel whatever i something along well, those really, lines it doesn't yeah feel it's it been a, a long time and uh, so there's been a lot of buildup to this album release. Mm -hmm. But please continue. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I was listening to you there and I lost track a bit of what. Well, that's fine. I, I can introduce this album too, if you want. Yeah, so go ahead. Go ahead. Basically, to much anticipation, they released an album called The Car. And The Car came out, I think, two weeks ago or last week, one of the two. Um, it's, well, the Arctic Monkeys, when they brought out their last album, Tranquility, long name record, uh, it was very slowed down and a lot more melancholic and, uh, uh, involved, you know, more different kinds of instruments, a lot more string, um, but more electronic aspects were looked at. And then with this record, they seem to have really dived into that idea and gone ventured even further into that direction. And to me, this album was very um, mon monot monotone. Monotonous, period. yeah. Yeah, I don't know what the monotonous, I don't know if that's right. Uh, but very monotone, and it honestly seemed like one sad song. It seemed like one dreary, ugh, like oh, just a, a sadness and honestly like the highlights for me on the song because I had to find something to appreciate while listening to the whole thing even though it's only like 36 minutes long um it seemed longer than the Chili Peppers album to to listen to to be honest mm -hmm. and the Chili Peppers album is almost three times as long so um this this was just dreary it was everything was pulled out into length and the good part was some of the string arrangement arrangements so there was a lot of violin and and um, all kinds of other orchestra setups in the background of a lot of songs and it was kind of cool it was like they were trying to be pink floyd but it did not pay off at all um it just didn't work there was no build-up no real like shocking moments in the music or anything that you can really grab onto it. It just washes over you. And yeah, Alex Turner has a good voice. He shows it on the record, but I really would have liked to hear their more original sound. Um, yeah. It, so my major problem with it was it, similarly to you, how monotonous, how monotonous, how monotone it was, how you know, had, had there just been one or two songs that, that kind of break the silence, it would have already been so much easier to listen to the entire album in a sitting. And maybe similar to similarly to the, uh, to the Chili Peppers, it's not meant to be listened to in a sitting. Maybe, you know, because I'd imagine, think, think of previous albums. On previous albums by the Arctic Monkeys, I've always really enjoyed, like, when they had one of those slowdown songs, right? Um, 
one of my favorite songs by the Arctic Monkeys is um, Riot Band, I, I guess, um, which is on um, on the first album, I reckon, um, is one of those slower songs. And I really, really enjoy that every time I listen to it. But then this is an album full of it, and it just feels a bit copy-pasty, you know? It feels a bit, yeah, like, you know, like there was a form to it, and then you adhere to that form, and you stencil out a song, and then you're done it. It reminded me, do you know the meme like how to write an all J song? Um, <laughs> no, and it just but I no, can imagine. But you can imagine, right? Yeah. And it, this this album, it just reminded me of that meme. Someone going like, yeah, how to write a modern Arctic Monkey song, and it's like, and and you put a few strings in, and you put a few like beats, and then you're done. It it was just predictable, and really not and. There's nothing wrong with with artists trying to find in a direction or trying to find something that they enjoy more or adapting their style, but this is was really something different than what I like the Arctic Arctic Monkeys for. And honestly, like most albums have an album opener type thing, they have an album closer type thing, and even if they don't have a story that ties things together, they kind of go by a listener's mood, right? So usually the the ballads, if it's a really popular one and a single, you maybe put it on the A side, but otherwise you'll have it down the bottom towards like eight or nine, like second to last or third to last song. And then you'll have another nice catch-up song towards the end. But when you have everything the same, there is no mood change for the listener throughout the entire song or the, the entire record. And then it's just 10 songs of overlapping the same thing on top and it just gets boring really really quick um maybe that also is something to say for where the attention span of the average listener is right now but this wasn't announced as some like art project or crazy concept thing it was announced as a normal album and that's kind of disappointing to be honest yeah yeah yeah. I, I had it I had trouble trying to differentiate some of the songs. Um it was yeah. I was in preparation for the podcast. I listened to it again and I just skipped through and like skipped parts of songs to see if I notice major differences and I didn't. Mm-hmm. I uh, the last four songs from big ideas to perfect sense, I and I skipped through and I skipped ahead and you know, skipped ahead and back in songs and I if I wasn't the one swiping, I don't think I would have been able to tell you which song was which. No, like legit, I know there'd better be a mirror ball because it was a single. So I listened to that before and I was disappointed. And then I listened to the rest of the album and the only song I liked was Mr. Schwartz, which is the second to last uh, song. Yeah. And, and I the rest, to... I literally couldn't tell you. I think Body Paint was maybe still okay, but like the car was hugely disappointing the song and the the yeah. rest i can't i can't um remember <laughs> yeah so i was i was listening to mr schwartz as well and i thought oh okay this at least feels slightly different and then that was one of the songs where i then skipped ahead a slight bit and i was like well it does feel slightly different to the other songs but the song itself is it's just like the entire song is the same yep yeah, but it, it's different from the other um, songs, which which already makes it a standout, in my opinion. <laughs> like, it's something to discuss. Everything else is the same crap, in my opinion. Like, and, and honestly, like, just for any listeners who are thinking that we just don't like the Arctic Monkeys, Toby and I just bought tickets because we really like the Arctic Monkeys. And live they're they're amazing so i can't wait and we're gonna have to sit through probably three or four songs off this record for that um yeah. concert but that's okay <laughs> that's gonna be fine so like i actually really like the arctic monkeys so maybe i'm a bit harsh but i can't give this album anything more than a two or a three out of ten yeah what, what i still need to and want to do is um just have a quick look like what some you know critics who just know a bit more about music than me write yeah, about me... it online just to um just to figure out if you know maybe there is like a more artistic reason to the, something that i'm not getting to it but so i i looked it up and the first thing that showed up is a video reaction 
and it's just the 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 um thumbnail of the video is the guy just face palming. <laughs> oh, fantastic! Wait, you should be able to see my screen. Then you can laugh at the picture too. Ah, uh, yeah, I see it. <laughs> so let's read one of the reviews here real quick. Um, NME is always a big reviewer. Wow. Okay. So NME sees the car, a swashbuckling strings fueled epic. The band's spectacular seventh album summarizes their story so far. Sharp songwriting, relentless innovation, and unbreakable teamwork. Well, this is something I do not agree with. Maybe there is also not too much point in silently reading the review to ourselves now. Yeah, that's fair. Anywho, um, yeah, for me personally, uh, the card does not deserve a grade better than a three. Yeah. You agree? Yeah, I, th I think we're similar, similar there. I, I don't think I'd give it a three. I think I'd give it a two. A two of it is from the both of us. So yeah, let us know what you think of that album. But sorry, can't really, can't really like it too much. In other news, I think it's time news. to move over to the F1 corner. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> I I saw the video today um F1 drivers imitating the sound of their cars and someone edits it together. Scott. It's I said God, not Scott there. Yeah. It's um that's something. That video is hilarious though, because they edit it on tracks and cars driving by with the sound of the per mm -hmm. oh man. Yeah, those were funny because some of them don't know how the sound is, apparently. Anyway, we are here in F1 Conversation Street. And uh, what is the news ongoing right now? Well, to recap, recap, play on words, um, the cost cap was the major issue in the last couple of weeks. And um, finally, the FIA have revealed that not only do they find Red Bull guilty of having breached the financial regulations for 2021, but also have handed out a fine of 7 million euros, as well as 10% less of their um, testing time for, for wind tunnel testing time. So that means that they're going to have ongoing damage or development limitations in next year's championship. So it hurts them going forward. It also hurts their accounting sheets by 7 million. In essence, their overspend was, I think, like 1%. 0.3 million and depending on because they incorrectly applied some tax regulation they ended up it should have like the overspend legit was calculated out at like three hundred thousand dollars or five hundred thousand dollars and yeah that's essentially the fine that was handed down now i wonder what will come with this um because next year and the rest of this year we'll see how much money is spent and this will be an ongoing reoccurring topic that will always scrutinize how people will compete in the following year. Because I think the main precedent set here, if regardless if it's harsh or not, is that they're going to try and punish you, not retrospectively, but in the future. Probably, in the yeah. Present. yeah. So I think that was actually a good thing because it leaves the past in the past and it looks forward and if you've been found guilty of something then you are going to have trouble moving forward which is good yeah i mean i i agree that it's good that they're being punished and i'm i'm not a big fan of how the entire conversation went down with red bull then saying yeah well we're accepting the punishment but not because we actually did something wrong but because we accept that the fia misinterprets or interprets something in a different manner from us um, I think the punishment could have been a bit harsher. I mean, there has been, it's as simple as this, the rule was broken. 
Um, and ten percent is I, I heard Karun Chandak say in the um in the YouTube video today. Um, that's expected to be about twenty two wind uh, um, wind tunnel runs. And I mean, I I hope that I mean I don't want the championship to be boring. I don't want Red Bull to be clearly. I don't want Red Bull to be Mercedes next year and clearly kind of be lagging behind. That'd be pretty boring. I hope that this works in a way that Red Bull now has to stress and to work that much harder to make a challenging car um, that they don't do this again. Like, I hope this actually acts as a deterrent rather than just something that can be accepted now. Because I'm sure every single team in F1 is thinking right now, is this worth it for us? Not um, the amount that they overspent. And this is what's, I think, the most confusing thing about the what was really interesting a few days ago was the 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 team principals head conference or a press conference sorry and Christian Horner had his own press conference about the whole thing and he essentially said because the question is asked did the overspend mean that you had a performance advantage right did you were you able to yeah. invest more money into your car and logically it makes sense that you have let's say a million dollars if you use $1 more, you've been able to allocate money in a certain way that maybe lets you put $1 more into the car. However, that's not actually how the budgeting works. And that's what he pointed out. And I have to say, I agree with him that 500000 overspending doesn't actually mean that you overspent and like put it all in your performance of the car, that it had any mm -hmm. on-track benefits. Because for like you can split those one million dollars, let's say for the for the model into two different areas that you need to spend money on. So one of them has a four hundred thousand dollar budget, and the other one is six hundred thousand. In the one you you save a hundred thousand, and the other you spend five hundred thousand more. That doesn't mean that the extra money that you've total spent and maybe other additional costs come up, so it gets a little confusing. But that doesn't mean that the the money you've saved somewhere is immediately applied to a certain other area or that the money that you've overspent in another area is immediately applied to a certain area where you could use more performance. And I yeah. think it's a little confusing, but he has a point. I I see the to point be fair. he makes there. I, I understand the point that, that's being made here. The thing is, you know, it depends on how the accountants went about this, where where the um uh, where the motivation came from. Because you can also say, you know, the eight hundred thousand gardening leave um that is in the that's in the mix here. Like, if they, you know, if this misinterpretation or this misunderstanding had been cleared from the beginning, they would have known that those eight hundred thousand is money that can't be other elsewhere invested, right? The the overspend is still there. And yes, you can say, of course, it doesn't directly influence the budget for the car or something, but at some point there was a decision made of those 800,000, you know, being okay and being within the budget when act in actuality they weren't. So there was, yes, the money might not have directly been invested, but the rat tail of it, you know, the tail end of it could mean that money was elsewhere invested that a more cautious and a more as it now turns out legal accounting team wouldn't have spent in the first place yeah i agree um the issue is the interpretation and i think the main lesson to be learned here is transparency is key i think mm -hmm. everything consistently i think plans should be publicized budgets should be publicized before the season you know you can really like make it transparent so that any interpretations of how they interpret these these ways way earlier and if i'm i think i read this somewhere and i correct me if i'm wrong but i think the um there was a regulation change that was done this year and then applied to last year's like regulations somehow and that negatively affected red bull's balance sheet or a general interpretation of of how they were supposed to account for things 
Um, I think transparency is the most important thing and clear definition of breaches and punishments for certain breaches. You yeah. can't you can't say we're we're not gonna even if it's a case by case basis, which they say is the reason why they don't have clear set out punishments. You can mm -hmm. still give a main indication of what you're going to look at, and they have to be fair, but not to the degree that is necessary to scare off teams to even consider going over the cap. Yeah, or even further, actually, um, not just consider going over the cap, but like proactively working to make sure you don't go over the cap that should be the goal that should be the team's motivation and you said motivation earlier behind how you interpret things that is a key point and horner is good at poker man he has a good poker face he's good at the politics that's always and and when you're in that drive to survive fan mood you kind of see drama everywhere and interpret it into everything so i i yeah. really don't know if it was like genuine honesty or if they're working with a second you know agenda or secret agenda which wouldn't surprise me in f1 yeah no it shouldn't surprise anyone i mean there there will always be every team follows its own agenda i i, I have a problem with the whole publicizing thing it's it's so easy to say, yeah, well, if it's just public, then everyone can see and, you know, they'll cheat less. But as you mentioned, um, as you mentioned, Drive to Survive, if these things get publicized, you're going to have keyboard warriors, keyboard accountants who are going to go so crazy over this and who are going to make the entire process so insufferable for to keep due diligence going. Um, it's And it'll add, a, it'll add a thing to this whole politics thing, because if you can get your fans actively involved in trying to scrutinize other teams and flood the FIA with inquiries and these sort of things, you know, I think they have to internally, it has to be better hand. It has to be more, more public and more transparent, but I, you know, maybe an unpopular opinion, but I don't mind that not everything about budgeting and like the slide rules that go on behind the scenes aren't publicized to the fans. Like, especially when it comes to really scrutineer things like money and these sort of things. Like, yes, for punishments that of that affect the game and the show and the race, for sure. But for all these things behind the scenes, like, the simple matter of the fact is the fan isn't a part of that world. We're part of F1, but we aren't part of the politics behind. I mean, we are. We're being instrumentalized. The instrumentalized, point is, this shouldn't we're be... A tool. This shouldn't be about politics, though. I understand your point in terms of not making yeah, but it fully it's public and money. Yeah, 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 and that's all fine. But they, the teams agreed on these regulations, right? They helped draft mm -hmm. them, so they they are also authors of the financial regulations. So, the what I think should be made clear to the general fan is a detailed, but not like looking into day to day operations like explanation of what exactly the process is and giving good frequent updates, clear communication to every fan involved of what stage of the process is there without revealing any details, right? That's very easy. Instead of saying, oh yeah, there's some board that will look at these regulations and then, you know, there's this thing where we, where we, where we see what's going on, but we're not going to tell you how much we actually know because it's secret. What they should say is the general process is they hand in A, B, C, D, E, F, G. We then do this, that, and this. And mm -hmm. right, you, I, I feel like it, it can be a lot more clear without knowing what's going on. And then the news breaks and the updates we get on Twitter and whatnot is essentially that. It just goes to show that Twitter is a cesspool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it'll turn into the fact that what we see in the future with this new FIA good system in place comes back to them doing their shit right which they barely do and this season they've pretty much ruined their reputation even more than they did last year almost uh, at least they haven't changed it or made it better um mm -hmm. but it comes down to the fact that they have to be more transparent and then our tweets will turn into okay red bull and aston martin are the two teams that weren't in it red bull has um looking at the potential between uh, uh, this huge penalty line and this huge penalty line and these are all the different penalties that they can get depending on which documents reveal what information but you don't actually have to say what is in there specifically so like you can just kind of 
start canceling out options so people can go along and they can have that Twitter breaking feed thing, breaking news feed thing. But it's kind of confusing now and it doesn't seem like they're communicating like they don't know what they're doing. And that makes it political and this shouldn't be politics because it's they're, agreed upon by all of them. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They're communicating like they're making every decision in the moment, which mm -hmm. very well might be true. And flexibility and adaptability is good, but maybe not for things this huge. And when and, it comes to like new regulations. And in fairness, there's like learn by doing, right? So this is still very new for everyone. And okay, that leaves it to be taken advantage of, but it can also lead to honest misunderstandings if certain things aren't made clear. So that's kind of the issue. Yeah, but let's move on. Um, anyway, yeah, uh, cost cap, Red Bull's fine. Uh, it doesn't really matter. They're still going to win next yeah. year. Uh, so next round three is Mexico. Uh, personally, I really hope that Jacob Perez will have the speed to win this like, on the road. That'd be really, really cool. I mean, for him, for his career, I think that would be realistically his magnum opus. Um, Getting... Getting a third win this season would be huge. Yeah, it'd be good. It'd be good. I, and at this I, point, it, like, there's no reason for Red Bull to play any team card. Um, just let them race properly and, and see if he can pull it. Yep. Yep. Even the damage would be fine. <laughs> I, I think it would be awesome to see Checo win. I don't think he's going to win, though. I think... Um, He'll get a podium, but I don't think he's going to win. Gotcha. I think Ferrari yeah. is actually going to win this. No, Ferrari isn't going to win Ferrari, another race this season. Ferrari looked fastest in the first FP, first two free practice sessions. But Doesn't again, matter. They're king of one lap speed, I know. But I think they're going to be above Perez. And I agree that Ferrari looked really fast, right? That Lur had um, the Peter Windsor. Analysis Littler had a few really fantastic, really consistent, really fast runs. That being said, it's Ferrari. They're going to find a way to fuck this up. Oh, yeah, probably. But then there's also Mercedes. They're also not going to win a race this season. I think a midfield team is more likely to win a race than either of those two teams this season, to be completely honest with you. Wow. Well, either way, I, I think it's a Ferrari and Max challenging for the win, and Perez mm -hmm. will be third. Mm -hmm. Maybe I don't. I don't know in what order, but I guess I'll go Max and Leclerc. Then you have convinced me to change my Ferrari winning. Uh, I will say, I will say, Paris Verstappen, Leclerc, not Hamilton. No. All right. All right. The Mercedes is the Mercedes is slow in on the straights. And I'll, I'll make one more prediction: the As Vettel will finish top five. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'll go along with something like that. I actually agree. Um, I think the Alpine is going to be really, really good. Yep, yep, I agree. Yeah, even when uh, Dewan was driving it, the few laps he did drive it, it was pretty good. It was uh, yeah. He was also putting in solid times. So, yeah, that was another thing yesterday. I don't know if you watched FP1, but there was a couple of um, new faces on the field. Yeah. Or a, a just general rookie vibes going on. Yeah. Um, Logan Sargent was out for Williams. Jack Dewan was out for Alpine. And then uh, Pietro Fittipaldi was out for Haas for Magnussen, I think. And immediately yeah, and all the rookie the car. cars. Yeah, exactly. All the rookie cars or a good chunk of the rookie cars broke down, right? Dewan broke down. Um, not his fault. Same with uh, Fittipaldi for, for Haas. And they need to take an engine penalty now, I'm pretty sure, because of it. Mm -hmm. So they have to replace stuff. I'm, I'm pretty sure I heard Steiner saying that on the uh, interview with the, with the commentators. And the sergeant, I think he finished, if I'm not mistaken. I think he ran it for... Uh, Logan Sargent, did he finish? I, I remember thinking... He may have oh, finished slightly early, but... I, rem I, I remember th thinking with him, because he had to do 100 kilometers today, right? And I remember thinking, 
Oh, I hope he managed to get those. It might have just been the red flag, to be fair. That could be too, because the session was red flagged at the end. I forget because of which car, but um uh, I think it was um who was in the Alpha Tari again? Doing No Lawson. Lawson was Lawson. the other guy. Yeah, he also broke that. <laughs> yeah, right. He yep. had the brake issues. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. And his car ended up getting on fire. So that probably wasn't good either for uh, Alpha Tauri. No, for sure weekend. not. Um, yeah, Alpine will probably challenge. Uh, where do you see Ricardo finishing? Ricardo, 16th. Ahead of? Um, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to have to call the, the bottom five. It uh, makes it more exciting. Crash out. The uh, an Alfa Romeo is going to crash out. Um, no, it doesn't make it more exciting. Um, he's going to finish ahead of Bottas, Latifi, Magnussen, Mick. Mick's going to be last. No, Mick's going to be seventeenth. Uh, Who's going to be last? The TV. No, oh. well, Bottas, because he's going to crash out. Okay, oh, that doesn't count. Man, I was going to ask the next question. What do you think is going to happen with Mick? You don't think Haas is looking good? No. Well, they were not too far off Ferrari at in, in some of the tire stages in FP1, I believe. So if they can sort of keep similar to that, Maybe there's a shot in the points with a good quality tomorrow. To be sure, I think it's going to be tight enough that that there's going to be a shot for the points for most teams. Like Fair I enough. think Albon has a has has a good shot. The also, the un, have a good shot. The unpredictability uh, of the track conditions, as well as like the the air with the new cars, because I don't know the last year race. I think the Red Bulls were considered to be super bad for that track. Like it was the worst one for them. And Max ended up like solidly winning it. So I think there's a lot of unknown in this race. So it'll be exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a fun race. And I think a few teams are going to be caught out by tire deg and by by aero inefficiency and these sort of things. That can definitely happen to Ferrari. And they've had that issue for most of the season. Yeah, but them above all people, I'd be um expecting to be on top of this now of all people yeah i don't know i, th I think i trust Haas strategists entire people more than ferrari no <laughs> absolutely not same family essentially right um what other news do we have sergeant is uh joining williams as much as we by assuming he doesn't like tried to end his career in the last couple races of uh, F2 and uh, in these FP1s. I'm pretty sure he got the points for FP1 yesterday. But I hope so. Yeah, it'd be pretty cool to see him in Williams, even though that means that the Mick option is gone. But I guess they haven't officially signed him yet. So, or he signed a contract that stipulates he's either a reserve driver or driver, depending on how he finishes in F2. That could also be the case. Um, and then depending on how he does, Mick might have an open option there. But it's looking not very good for Mick. The good thing is that two FP1s in a row, the other person in the car has like broken down or crashed or something, which is really nice for Mick because it just makes him look more consistent compared to the whoever he's sitting next to. Um, that was Giovinazzi and uh, yesterday... Uh, Fittipaldi I think it's Fittipaldi right yeah um, so we have that going on and I really think that Haas is going to pick Hilkenberg even though I don't want them to yeah they're going to make the bad mistake of, of going for Hilkenberg yeah I mean I don't think it's going to be a mistake it's just I don't think it's I don't think it's the right call I mean I think I think the potential of someone growing is higher than the potential of someone coming back in. But then Hülkenberg is a good driver. That's not to be underestimated. He can maybe he can be more solid. Maybe he can deliver them more 
reliable performances. I don't know, but I think the peak uh, performances are going to come from Mick. But who cares? I'm not going to touch Dyna. Well, either way, Mick will probably go to Sauber by at the beginning of 2024. So worst case, he sits out a year and is reserve driver yeah. for Alfa Romeo in 2023 because Audi now officially confirmed that they will be essentially buying that team and becoming that works team uh, in 2026. As of 2024, they are already some form of sponsor. So they'll probably have Paul to put Mick in. You know, they'll want Mick. They've already clearly said that they want two German drivers optimally. So I saw a comparison that Schumacher left the sport for four years and came back with a German team. And maybe so will Vettel in 26. That would be really cool. Yeah. And with then Mick. Mick, maybe. Oh maybe. my goodness. That would be so amazing. That would be such vibes. Woo. And it'd be a really good team. So they'd be like one and three the whole time. That'd be sick. That'd be amazing. Yeah, it'd be pretty cool. But I doubt it'll happen. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's such a, there's like a thousand what ifs behind it that have to all be like become true. Well, on that happy note, I think we should end it right there, Toby. Yeah. All right. I was just sending you a text thing. Okay. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> Perfect. Thank all you right. so much for tuning in, everyone. Uh, yeah, this has been our predictions and our takes on the new Arctic Monkeys and uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers albums. Listen to the Red Hot Chili Peppers one. You don't have to listen to the Arctic Monkeys one. I think that's our final take. Um, thank you very much. Have a good weekend and week. Talk to you soon.